All right, Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. We're going to be there at verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Median seven years. So Israel's misbehaving, wasn't doing what they're told. God sent the Midianites. They're going to come in and conquer them. Verse 2, And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. So Israel started hiding out. They were running from the Midianites. They were scared of the Midianites. The Midianites were a great people. Here it goes on to tell us this. And so it was, verse 3, When Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. Now the Amalekites, they were the giants. Those are the giants. Those are the kin to the giants that you find way back in the numbers in Deuteronomy. That's the giants. So they're a huge people. But what happened was every time Israel would try to get a crop going, Midianites would come in and they'd take that crop away. And then steal it back from them. And got to work for, look at verse 4. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till they came up, came unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. They were just coming and cleaning the land of Israel. Everything they had, they'd come take it away from them. And Israel was just in bondage. Great bondage. Verse 5. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, that's the Midianites, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Look at verse 7. So, we're about to start back up verse 7. But notice that Israel was greatly impoverished. And at the end of verse 6, it says that they cried unto the Lord. If you were to take this and compare it to America, it's going to take something happening to America before people start crying unto God. It took 9-11, it took uh, the Y2K, there's different things that happened to America that you notice the church will start getting full, full of people, and then they'll just die away and go away, and they kind of forget about God. But it takes, it's going to take persecution on the church for some of us to start crying out to God. It shouldn't be that way. We should be crying out to God day and night. But it took Israel being under captivity, and they realized we messed up, but verse 7, God's going to do something about it. God always has a plan. God always has a plan. When you've messed it all up and you say, I've messed my whole life up, There's, I'm at the bottom of my barrel, that's when God will show up and God will give you a plan. Look at verse 7. It came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel which said unto them. We would say the Lord sent them a preacher. So this is a God-sent preacher. We need preachers sent from God, not from the seminary. I had a, a guy tell me that oh, I've got this good pastor and he loves him. He said, but you know, he didn't go to any seminary. I said, good. Good he didn't go to any seminary. That's probably why he's such a good preacher and a good pastor because he didn't go to seminary. We don't, need, we don't need seminary students. We need God-called preachers is what we need. He said, what's the difference? Well, let me tell you the difference. When I left out Harmony... Uh, and and, and uh, I left Harmony, and uh, Brother Dewey Wilson, a dear godly man, he called me up. He said, Brother, we're trying to get somebody else out here, at, out at Harmony. And we've been calling and calling. We finally got a guy come out here, and, and, he, and he made me feel real good. He goes, he's not you, Brother Keegan. I'm like, thank you, Brother Dewey. I'll give you your 10 bucks when I get a chance. But he said, no. He said, we, we, but we like him, Brother Keegan. And we, we decided we're going to call him as our pastor. So we had a little bit business meeting, and we said, uh, Brother, we want to call you as a pastor. He said, well, I can't do that. And they're like, why not? He said, why, why, why won't you be our pastor? He said, I can't do that. That'll look bad on my resume. Oh my That's what he told them out there. 
It'll look bad on my resume because if something happens to this church or it shuts down, it'll look bad on my resume. And he wouldn't take that. And I told Brother Dewey, I said, that's the best thing he could have told you. <laughs> that's better than no. You know what kind of character he has. He's not called of God. He's called to a job. He's called from the seminary. Guys, this was a Lord sent a prophet. Amen. Notice the Lord's working. He sends a prophet of the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, and out of the hand of all that oppressed you, and drave them out from before you, and gave you their land. He's reminding them of all the good stuff he did for them. But he also says in verse 10 what they forgot. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell, but... Ye have not obeyed my voice. He said, this is why it's happening to you, boys. Because I told you and I warned you and you didn't listen to me. You know what this Bible has from cover to cover? Warnings and warnings and more warnings. It's just God's warning to America, to a Christian, to a lost man, to anybody living in any part of the world. It's a warning of what's coming. Is appointed unto men once to die, then the judgment. I mean, there's warnings. You can, you're not going to get away. God's warning us and warning us. And when something bad happens, like, why God, why God? They forgot God's word. He had told them. He said, this is why. And the preacher tells them, but look at verse 11. Now, I want to focus on Gideon. One of my favorite characters of the Bible this morning. I want to focus on Gideon. Look at verse 11. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Oprah that pertained to Joash the Abizrite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Woo! Gideon, a mighty man of valor. So I want to focus on this morning the story about Gideon, these, these verses in here. I want to focus on why did God call Gideon? Why did he? Why did God call Gideon? There were literally thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of men that God could have called, but he came down to Gideon and called Gideon. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Why did God call Gideon? Well, firstly, I want to point out to you in verse 11, he called Gideon because Gideon's a hard worker. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Oprah, and that pertaineth unto Joash, the Abiz, right? I'm going to get that right if I have to pronounce it 20 times this morning. And his son Gideon, his son Gideon threshed wheat by the wine press. He was busy working. God found him working. Now, when God calls you for whatever it might be, when God calls you, he might call you into something. He might call you while you're sitting on the couch. He might call you while you're sitting on the pew. But he's not calling you to sit on the pew. He's not calling you to sit on the couch, guys. He'll give you a call and you say, Well, Brother Keegan, I'm not called to preach. God, God's got his men he's called to preach. Right up there in verses 7 through 10, right there. You seen it? He called that man. The Lord sent a prophet. There was a man, it didn't give his name. And the Lord said, I want you to go and I want you to say, Thus saith the Lord God. And that man obeyed what God told him to do and went forth and proclaimed and gave to the people of Israel the truth of God's word. Amen. 
That's what that man was called to do, and that man was called to do it, and he did it. But that man was not called to do what we're about to read Gideon does. That's a different calling. Brothers and sisters, we all have our separate callings in the Lord. And I can't fulfill your calling just like you would not want to fulfill my calling. And there's things that you can do that I couldn't even imagine trying to do. And there's some of y'all might be sitting out here because I was in your place uh, 30 odd years ago. I seen the preacher. I'm like, how does he do that? I, could ne- I remember specifically looking up at Brother Packer and saying, I could never do that. And the Lord said, uh-huh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, I'll show you something, you know. <laughs> well, that's impossible. Yeah, with men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Guys, you're out there and you might have a calling on your life. I don't know what that calling might be. I'm not going to tell you. Only you and God know. It's a personal calling. Only you and God know. But when he gives that calling to you, I want to encourage you to obey it. Amen. And, and I, you say, well, it's, it's a silly thing, Brother Keegan. And it's not silly between you and, Lord, and the Lord. No. Well, I would think, think people would laugh at me. Don't tell them what you're doing. Just do it. Amen. Just do it. Don't, don't, don't. So, well, my, my husband and wife, they wouldn't appreciate it. Well, unless it has to do with you moving over to Brazil or something, just do it. Just tell them, hey, the Lord's calling me. The Lord, I feel like the Lord's telling me I need to give a certain amount of money to uh, this, this couple down the road. Or the Lord's told me I need to go down and, and, and feed the, the, be at the soup kitchen. Or the Lord's called me to, 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 to go down and start handing out Bibles. At this, or, I don't know what the Lord. Or you might, say, as a, you might say the Lord's called me to preach. I, I don't know. I, I'm not telling you what your calling is, but we all as Christians have a calling to do something for the Lord. If there's anything that Brother Osborne message focused on on Friday night to me was focusing on that we're, we're saved by grace, but we're saved by grace to do a good work. Yeah. We're called to work, and the thing, the reason why Gideon was called is because he's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. We got a society full of lazy people. Yeah. Amen, we do. <laughs> Y'all don't come over to my house because I, I can be kind of lazy about things. The grass gets kind of a little tall or whatever. I have all kinds of excuses. I make a millions. It's, I have here, I'll have some stuff written down here I found. Millions of Americans aren't working, but thank heaven they have jobs. <laughs> Only a couple of y'all got that, I think. I'll read that one more time. Millions of Americans aren't working, but thank heaven they have jobs. That's uh, City of Brownwood there for you right there. The average American would drive his car to the bathroom if the door was wide enough. I believe that. The reason most people won't stand up and be counted is not that they're afraid to stand up, but they're just too lazy. It's work. What the Lord's called you to do is some kind of work. And you say, man, I'm going to have to give away my Friday nights. I'm going to have to give away my Sunday morning. I'm going to give away. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, as a man that the Lord called me to a church that's 45 minutes from home, one way, uh, I would have never even dreamed in my wildest dreams that 14 years later I'd still be at this church. But the Lord has given me this and called me to this. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm extremely happy. I have the best boss in the world. The name, his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I could, I, I'm so thrilled the Lord called me out here. Because when I, like Amen. Friday night, when I got up here running my mouth and offended some people and everything else, the people that I love didn't leave the church. <laughs> I'm not saying some of y'all didn't get offended, but at least y'all were like, well, that's just Brother King. He's stupid that way. You know, <laughs> next, you know, this, I appreciate y'all. You know, any other church, they probably would have had a meeting. That lady would have had a meeting and voted me out if she could have. And thank God she's not in this church. 
<laughs> but you know what? God didn't call her out here to this church. God called y'all out here. And God called me and says, I'm going to do a work right there. That little church out there, that's impossible. That thing's almost dead. It's drying, it's drying up. It's, you know, the doors are falling off the hinges when we got out here. God says, oh, yeah, let me show you something. Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. A mighty man of valor? He's just Gideon. Let me show you something else about Gideon at the end of verse 11. He, not only was Gideon threshed wheat by the prime press to hide it from the Midianites. This is what I really like about Gideon. Gideon was kind of a rebel at heart. See, he kind of he's doing it, but he's kind of hiding it, you know. Now, Gideon's not a rebel against God. Any rebel against God, God's not going to call you. God don't need rebels. God, God, it's a sin to be a rebel against God. But when the government tells you one thing, and the Bible or God tells you another thing, you're not being a rebel when you follow what God says. Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. When they called him up and said, uh, Peter, uh, John, y'all shut up about the name of Jesus Christ. And Peter says, uh, we ought to obey God rather than men. It might get you thrown in prison, and it did. It might get you whipped, and they did. The point is, is that Gideon was kind of a rebel at heart. When it came to society... And that's what I want to focus on. He was a rebel when it came to society. When it came to society. A rebel when it came to society. I can, I can, I can promise you that while everybody else was out worshiping Baal and worshiping the gods of the Midianites, that Gideon didn't do that. Amen. When everybody was dressing like the gods of the Midianites wanted them to dress, I can guarantee you Gideon didn't dress that way. Amen. When people were talking uh, praise, Bell, and they were saying all these phrases and picking up all the lingo and all the, the catchphrases of the Midianites and where they were starting to act like the Midianites, I can guarantee you Gideon wasn't. Amen. Gideon was a rebel against the society of the Midianites. Amen. God loves to call people that are rebels against society, that doesn't dress like society, that doesn't talk like society, that doesn't walk like society, and God forbid, that doesn't think like society. Have you noticed that society wants us to think the way they think? It's bad enough that they want us to talk like they talk. They want us to act like they act. But now they want us to think like they think. That every word we say is judged and condemned and weighed in the balance. Like they're some kind of superior being or something like that. You're not allowed to say the wrong thing or you'll lose whatever job you have. The Bible warned us about that in Isaiah. I found it just in my Bible reading, Isaiah 29, 21. If you're ever uh, reading through your Bible, Isaiah 29, 21. That make a man an offender over a word. Makes a man an offender over a word. Who would have thought in this country that you would be afraid to say words? Amen. And lay a snare for him that reproveth in the gate, and turn aside the just for a thing of naught. That's the society. And God wants rebels against this society. God wants somebody who doesn't think like this society. Are you out here this morning? Are you listening to me this morning? And you don't like the way they talk about stuff on the TV? Or, or, or you don't like the way the movies look? You don't like the way music sounds? You say, I just don't feel like I have a place. Oh, you have a place. And you've got a wonderful place with God. Amen. Forget about this society. This society... Now, you might speak differently. You might be living in a mansion, driving a really nice car. This society has been nothing but bad for me. <laughs> this society has taxed me. 
took, put my mom in the hospital and killed her with chemo. This, ma, this, this, this society has done everything wicked against me. And I'm supposed to turn around and praise this society and get along with this society. I'm kind of like Gideon. I think, I think I'll be a rebel against this thing. And that's what Gideon's doing. And Gideon's kind of, he's kind of hiding it out. And that's what I love about Gideon here. Look, look, at verse, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Here's the problem with that verse 13. The biggest problem is, is that Gideon has forgot his Bible. He's forgot his Bible. The first thing is Gideon forgot his Bible because God warned him and told him all through the scriptures what he was going to do if they did that. And he's saying, why, did why are we forsaken? <laughs> Look at the end of verse 13. But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. You don't have to tell the angel of the Lord that. You don't have to tell him that. You should know why that happened. Amen. First reason is because God's giving you a Bible. You say, well, maybe Gideon didn't read his Bible. Second witness was God sent him a preacher. Remember reading it? God sent a preacher. And the preacher said exactly why God had did what he did to Israel. He told them. So Gideon wasn't listening to preaching and he wasn't reading his Bible. But God still called him. You might be out here this morning and you might say, well, I want to do something for the Lord, but I don't know my Bible very well. And I haven't been in church very long. That's fine. That's the kind of people God wants to use. Amen. God loves those people. Because they hadn't been corrupted by bad doctrine. They hadn't been corrupted by the things that people have told them. They hadn't been hurt by the church yet. The people that are fresh in the church, new, born-again believers, they're the most on fire for the Lord. Amen. And here's Gideon. He doesn't know very much, and the Lord calls him in verse 13. But here's where Gideon gets it wrong. Gideon doesn't realize something. He says in verse 13, Gideon said unto him, and notice all these us's in there. Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us. Why then, all, why then is all this befallen, on, befallen us? Look at the middle of verse 13. Fathers told us, bring us. But now the Lord hath forsaken us and del delivered us. It's not about us. What Gideon forgot is what happens in verse 14 and 15. Look at verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? It's not about us, it's about you. It's a personal calling. It's a personal calling. Guys, your calling's not my calling. My calling's not your calling. Guys, it's a personal calling. It's not about us, it's about you and God. Amen. And that's when it gets serious. It's easy to come to church, sit in the pew, you're, you're, you're hanging out with other brothers and sisters in Christ. You're singing the songs together. You're listening to the same preaching. You're, 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 teaching, you're going to the same Sunday school class together. There's this kind of social thing going on. But when you leave those doors and you get alone, what's going on between you and the Lord? Amen. It's a personal calling between you and God. Amen. And Gideon saying, well, it's us this and us that. And God said, I didn't call them. <laughs> I called you, Gideon. See, look at verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, 
and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? It's a personal calling. You know, sometimes we need to stop waiting for somebody else to make a difference, and we need to be the one to make a difference. The, the thing I like to do at work, and, and you know, Joker knows, I work around some guys that, man, they, there's, they're, they're a description of that laziness I was just talking about. And they'll say, they'll say something to me like, somebody needs to go over there and, and, and clean that up. That's, that's filthy. Somebody needs to go over there and clean that up. And I'll look at them and say, okay, you go over there and clean it up. <laughs> and they've learned over the years, not, or we'll be riding around, they'll call me up, hey, there's a pile of brush over in a certain, certain street. Okay. And I'll hang up the phone, call them back, hey, go over to a certain, certain street and go pick up that pile of brush. Well, I just told you about it. Yeah, and I go over there and pick it up. You'll learn not, you'll learn not to call and tell me what to do. And the point is, is that they're so lazy they want somebody else to go do it. Amen. And they want, it's somebody else's job. That's somebody else's responsibility. No, it's our responsibility. Amen. If there's trash on the ground, it's your ground, pick it up. And you start walking by and say, well, that's, that's somebody else's responsibility. That's the trash man's responsibility. No, it's all our responsibility. These jobs, are, God's given us jobs. It's, it's a personal job, but it's our responsibility. And, and to look at somebody else to take advantage and say, well, I'll wait for somebody else to go over there and witness to them. No, you need to go over there and witness to them. If the Lord is calling you to go witness to somebody about Jesus Christ, for God's sake, go and witness to them. Don't, don't wait and say, I'll call my pastor and get him over there. I might not be the one he wants to talk to. They'll want to talk to you. You can lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ that I can't reach. Amen. Say, well, brother, you know so much more scripture. Well, maybe and maybe not. I might, know, I might not know as much as you know about something. There might be something that you know that they need to hear that God's reason why God's touching your heart and calling you to go over there and witness to them, give them a track, whatever it is. I, can, I don't know. I can tell you this. That you can lead your loved ones and your friends and your co-workers to Jesus Christ. Some of y'all could a lot quicker than I ever could. Because they respect your opinion. And they've worked around you. And they've seen how you live. And they've seen that you walk. And are you keeping a good testimony? I, I assume you're keeping a good testimony with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they know and they've seen you for years and years. Going to church. Praying. Reading the Bible. They see your testimony. They see that you don't cuss at, at work. You're not telling a bunch of dirty jokes. You're not lewd. You're not, and they see that testimony you're carrying around. And when you finally give them an opinion and say, hey, you, you, you need to get saved. You need Jesus Christ, your Lord, and saved. They're going to take that with a heavy weight. Because you know what happens sometimes when I show up? They say, there's a preacher. All he wants is his money. All he wants is money. I hear that all the time. He's just after my money. He thinks he's so high and mighty. He's got his nose. They, they, they're any excuse, but with you, it's different. Do you understand why God calls you and doesn't call me? That's why. There's, there's things that you can do that I can't do. There's places you can reach that I can't reach. Amen. This is an amazing thing God's got designed out, and not one person can do it. Not one person God calls to preach, and now God says, I'm going to call another person to be the one that is the mighty man of valor. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, let's look and see what happens here. I want to give you some more stuff about, about old Gideon. In verse 15, And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So notice that God had just called him, the Lord had just called him the mighty man of valor. And then in verse 15, Gideon says, I'm no mighty man of valor. Another reason why God called Gideon was simply that God called Gideon because he was humble. Amen. Some of y'all, uh, 
Now, I don't invite some of y'all, but I know some people that if you, if you call them, they'll say, yep, that's right, I was waiting for it because I knew you, I'd be the one. I'm the number one. I'm the number one pick. I'm the first one you should have picked. It's just arrogant like some of these athletes you see on TV. I'm number one. It's me. It's all about me. I'm the one. I'm the one. You picked the right one. You know when I know a man has a calling of preaching on his life? When he doesn't want to do it. That worries me when I hear preachers say, I like Brother Osborne, and I love Brother Osborne. But when he's saying that, I'm thinking, Brother Osborne, don't say that, because I, I, I think that's one of the main callings on a preacher is when he don't want to preach. Amen. God bless Brother Osborne. Amen. What a blessing, man. What a blessing. But if you get Brother Osborne to the side, he'll tell you sometimes, man, this is, this, what, am I in, what, am, what am I in the middle of? What I get in the middle? I could be doing so much more with my life. What am I in the middle of? When God puts that calling on you, it'll humble you down. And you need to be humble. And he called Gideon because he is humble. Humbleness is when God can use you. You say, well, I'm a nobody, Brother Keegan. I, I, I don't know my Bible. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. Whatever it might be in your life. Maybe say, I'm not a good speaker. I can't speak. I can't talk to people. I'm shy. I'm this, that, and other. You're, you're trying to do it all on your own. That's what the problem is. You're thinking that you're thinking that you're going to be sent out by yourself with no help. Amen. And that's what you're afraid of. And that's what I used to be afraid of. Is I was afraid I'm going to get up here and preach. And what am I going to say? What, it's not about me. It's about what's the Lord going to use me to do. Amen. And when I realized that and started realizing the Lord can use me, I'll just get out of the way. And whenever any of y'all say, I like that preaching, Brother Keegan, that's Jesus Christ. I try to give the glory back to God. Because look, see right there in verse 14, the Lord looked unto him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So God sends you. So if he's going to send you, he's going to prepare you. And verse 16, And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. One man. But the Lord, the most important thing is that I will be with thee. The Lord's going to do it through Gideon. Amen. And whatever calling you got on your life, and I, I, I kind of have kind of pushed this towards more of a preaching calling, but I don't mean it to be that. I mean it could be a calling on anything. I don't know what calling it is. God's been speaking to your heart. But let, let me tell you something. Being a preacher all these years, let me, tell, let me encourage you that the Lord will be with you, and the Lord will use you, and the Lord will do it through you. Amen. Just start humble. Just be humble and say, first off, you've got to admit, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I'm not smart. I'm a high school dropout. And when the, whenever they would give a speech in, in the classes, and we had to give a speech in class, I would skip. I'd play hooky. I wasn't going to stand in front of people. I had a speech impediment. I had to go to speech therapy for three or four years while I was in grade school because I couldn't say my R's. And to this day, I still have problems with, some, with words and saying my R's. That's why sometimes, like at the beginning of the sermon, I kept saying that word over and over again. I mean, it's the funniest comical thing that God would call me. It's silly. Because I'm like, look at God, look at that guy. He talks so well. Look at him. Look at her. Look at, look at all these people you could call to do something for you. Why are you messing with me? Why are you messing with me, Lord? <laughs> Why don't go mess with them? I got my own life I want to live. I want to, nah. You, Gideon, you're the one. 
And guys, when you get that calling in your life, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. I, don't have to, I don't have to explain. What, is that, what do you mean, Brother King? What, you know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It, it'll scare you is what it'll do. Another reason why God called Gideon is because he was a nobody. Look at verse, uh, end of verse 15. And I am the least in my father's house. You might say, what can I do? I'm a nobody. Poor nobodies are exactly who God wants. Amen. Why does God call nobodies? Well, because God gets the glory. <laughs> That's why with my friend, one of my friends that heard that I was a preacher said, with a mouth like that? Every other word that came out of my mouth was a cuss word when I was growing up. I was foul. I was filthy. I was nasty. I was into the occult. I remember one time the, the bus drove by, and I was walking. The school bus drove by, and one of the guys said, they, they said, that guy right there is a Satanist. While I was walking down the road. I was so wicked, so evil, so vile, so stupid, so ignorant. Wouldn't show up to school. Couldn't spell my name probably backwards. I mean, just all these things. And God said, man, that sure is a nobody. That's somebody I can do something with. Why? Why would God call me? Because, and you can ask my wife this, because if there's, if there's anything good about me, it's Jesus Christ. If you're getting anything out of this, it's not me, it's Jesus Christ. Amen. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, gets all the glory. Amen. And I give Him all the glory. And I praise the Lord Jesus Christ for everything. He gets all the glory. He's not going to get the glory out of somebody that wants to get the glory. Look, keep your hand here, but look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show this to you. It's very important for you to understand this. Because the world got you fooled. Now I'm about to offend somebody. I'm getting good at that lately. Lately, The world's got you fooled. The world tells you, you've got to go to college. You've got to get an education. And I know, I know you've got to have that slip of paper to be able to get that certain job you want. But listen, let me, let me tell you something. You don't have to have a slip of paper to be, to be one of the smartest men in the world. When you, start looking, when you start investigating millionaires, you know what you'll find out about millionaires? A lot of them don't even have a college education. Amen. They just got busy working, and that work turned to that work, and that work turned to this bigger work, and before long, they're a millionaire, and they've got this and that. You know what happened? They weren't lazy. They were workers. Amen. Hard workers. Got up early in the morning, stayed up late at night working. Nobody got rich working overtime. Isn't that what the country songs try to tell you? Well, it's true. It's true. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, start there at verse uh, 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For see, for ye see your calling. Here's that calling, brothers and sisters. And here, guys, I want to say this too. Before we read this verse, this calling could be a call for ministry or service, or it could be a call for salvation. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're being called for salvation. Maybe you don't know that you've ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you get that calling. The Lord's speaking to your heart. That's the same thing. He's not going to call you. He's not going to call you if you think you're righteous. He's not going to call you if you think you're somebody. He's not going to call you if you don't know you're a sinner. You've got to know you're a sinner. You've got to know you're a nobody. Look at this. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the, th confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. He does amazing things with things that shouldn't be happening. 
He, he let Samson kill a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. We got any jawbones of asses in here? Mm. God can do miracles with you. Amen. Guys, I mean, I know I'm kidding around, but I'm not kidding around. Some of you think, well, I'm just some sorry, I'm, just, I'm the cotton farmer, I'm this, I'm that. God, that's what God wants to use. That's the man God called, the Gideons, the Amoses, the, the country boys. That's who God called, the fishermen. That's who God called. And that's what he said, why? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's why you're called. You got to call on your life like, why would the Lord be messing with me? I'm a nobody. I can't do that. I can't. Well, yeah, that's why he wants you to do it. So when you do it, you're, you can't say, look what I've done. You got to say, "Woo, God, thank you. Amen. Are you a little nervous about doing that calling? That's good. Amen. You need to be nervous. Because you're seriously, you're doing something serious. Anything God calls you to do is something serious in the kingdom of God. Amen. Guys, there's things that we're doing here at this church that affect eternity. Amen. And we're not talking about 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now. We're talking about there's souls that have come down to this church and been saved, that they're saved for eternity. Amen. Eternity. We're talking about eternal weight. This is some serious stuff. And there's been some souls that come in here and listen to the preaching, listen to the gospel, and walk out that, those doors. And as far as I know, eternally, it's the other way. Amen. And they don't realize it. We're talking about eternal things. We're talking about an eternal kingdom. We're talking about the calling God's given you to do is very serious. And you say, well, that, that makes me nervous. Good. You need to be nervous. That way you'll be prayed up. You'll be relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saying, okay, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me the words to say or whatever, the power to do whatever he wants you to do. I don't know what that calling is, guys, but I can tell you this. Please, please, please do the calling God's given you. It's important. I was reading this story of this little girl, and she was being mocked because she didn't have any food. And this guy walked by, and he, this little girl uh, uh, was there, and he said, Are you, it's, she was talking about the little girl. He stopped to talk to the little girl, and the little girl says, I'm hungry. And he said, and, and you say you're a Christian? And she's like, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. He goes, and this guy's an atheist. He said, where is your God? Where's your God? Why doesn't your God give you food? Where's your God? If you're, if you're a Christian, where's your God? Why is he letting your, your God letting you starve out here? And her answer to that man was, my God's called somebody to bring me food. They just haven't listened to the call yet. Amen. The point is that sometimes God puts a calling on you because you're going to help another brother or sister out. Amen. Or you're going to help somebody that needs your help. And you're the only one God wants to do it. Of all the hundreds of thousands of men in Israel at the time, God went down, the Lord God, through an angel and said, Gideon, you. Why, Brother Keegan? I'm trying to show you why. Amen. There's some things about him that made him special. And there's some things about you that make you special. Amen. You know there's some things that God don't let me do because I have too hot a temper? Some of y'all can be out there and y'all can put up with some of the stuff I would never put up with. <laughs> and y'all are like angels to me. I mean, you could, it's just like people can be yelling. Y'all don't get your temper. You don't, your face don't get red. You don't get mad. You, you just like... That's, that's what, why God can use you. You're, you're, every, each one of you are special in your own unique way. 
God created you, amen? He created you special. He gives you a calling. It's because you got something special. And Gideon was that special man back in uh, Judges chapter 6. Gideon is that special man. In verse 17 he says, And he said unto him, If now I find, found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. See, the Jew requires a sign. That's 1 Corinthians 1.22. We were just there. The Jew requires a sign. The Greek seeks wisdom. So a Jew requires a sign. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. A Jew requires a sign, but the Greek seeks wisdom. What does that mean? That means whenever God puts a calling on a Jew's life, you know what a, God, a Jew does? Show me a sign. You know what, you know what a Gentile does? I've got to go to college. That's what we do. Instead of saying, all right, God, I'm just going to go with it. No, I've got to go to college. So Gideon, being a Jew, he says, I, he requires a sign. He wants a sign. He says, show me a sign. But there's something else that happens in the very next verse. Depart not hence, Gideon says this, Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come in, unto thee, and bring forth my present, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. So Gideon says, stay here. I got some stuff I want to do for you. So I think another reason why God called Gideon is that Gideon was very hospitable and very generous. He said, no, no, stay here. I'm going to go, go get this. I'm going to go kill something. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. Uh, God called Gideon because he is very generous. He's very hospitable. Guys, as Christians, we should take on the persona of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He should shine forth out of us. We should be like our God who is graceful, kind, merciful, loving, generous. All those things we know about God, that should be you. And that was Gideon. Gideon was, that's one of the characteristics of God. But Jesus Christ reminded us in Matthew chapter 5, he said, even those that, if you'll do those that love you, you'll do the same to them. I'm going to read it to you because I don't want to paraphrase it because I'll, I'll butcher it up. This is another reason why the Lord, I don't know why the Lord called me. I can't remember half the scriptures he has in his word because my mind don't work that good. Verse 44, chapter 5, verse 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God's generous to everybody. God lets it rain on everybody. God's loving and kind. To, he can be loving and kind to everybody. And that's what, what Gideon's showing. But look here in verse 46. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same. Guys, it's the easiest thing as a Christian to love other Christians and love those, those that love us. But we need to learn to love those that don't love us. Amen. Pray for those that don't, that despitefully use us. All those things the Lord taught us. That was the personality we need to have. And that's what Gideon's showing here. Back in Judges chapter 6, I'm going to close this up. And Gideon went in. Verse 19. Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of an ephah of flour. He, the flesh he put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and brought it out unto, un, out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock. And pour out the broth, and he did so. So the angel says, hey, pour all this stuff on that rock. And watch this, verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there rose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. 
just went up. Whoo. What's interesting about the angel of the Lord, that's a, what they call a theophany. Now, a theophany is an is a, is a appearance of Jesus Christ before his incarnation because it's showing him to be the Lord there in verse 14. The Lord looked upon him. Well, I thought it was the angel of the Lord. Yeah, that's the Lord, the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus Christ. And it, why is he, why, look, at, look back down at verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, see how it says he perceived it? Why did he perceive it? Because the angels in the Bible look like men. Angels in the Bible, they don't have these big long wings. They don't come flying down. They look just like men. Look like me and you. So he wasn't for sure if this was an angel until he seen this happen. He got his sign. He wanted. Guys, I want to say something to you. If you got a calling in your life and God's wanting to use you and you're going to be like Gideon and you say, you know what, Lord, give me a sign, I'm going to tell you something. You just start doing what God's called you to do. You'll see what God called you to do. You will see all the signs you want to see. And you'll say, uh, what do you mean, Brother Keegan? I'm going to say, well, you're going to see some things. It, it, you can turn to your husband or your wife and say, and explain it to them, and they'll look at you like an owl. They won't get what you're saying. But between you and God, it, God will say, see that right there? I told you. It'll be just amazing things. Amen. And it's, you can't explain it. And I can't even hardly explain it up here. But God, if you'll step out for God, when you step out for God, you'll start walking on water. When you step out for God, for Lord Jesus Christ, He's going to do some amazing things. You're going to see, get to see some amazing things. And when you try to describe them to people, the people are going to look at you, they're not going to understand. Well, that's okay. They're not, they're not, they don't have that calling. And it's not for them. It's for you, right? This is a personal calling. Amen? It's a personal calling. So when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, look what the Lord said, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. It's a th I know, guys, and I'm closing with some of this. It's a scary thing to know God's got you called to do something. It is a scary thing. But don't be afraid. The Lord will do it for you. Amen. He's going to do it for you. And when, as soon as you think you can't, as soon as you think you, you, you're going to, as soon as you think, well, I'm, I've got this figured out, I'm going to do it, the Lord's going to remind you what he said in John 15. Without me, you can do nothing. That's what Jesus said. Amen. And without me, you can do nothing. Amen. So you got to stay with Jesus Christ. You got to let him do it through you. Let him do it through you. And you're going to have a lot, you got, there's a lot of fear that comes with this. The Lord says, peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. He's going to take care of you. He's going to, the Lord's always took care of me. And some of my worst fears when Brother Trevor passed away, I did not want to preach that funeral, and I was dreading them. Kind of, of course, they called me. I want to preach, and I knew there was going to be lots and lots of people there, and I dreaded it. I dreaded it. I remember my uh, my poor wife. I said, "Let's go walk it." I just wanted to get out of the house. I had all this this built up energy, and we just walk and walk. I walked her legs off, just walk and walk and walk, and I was as nervous as a cat. I can't explain it, and I'll never forget. I mean, even in the funeral home, I was nervous. I was just like dying inside. I I wanted just to run away, but as soon as I started walking up there to start to preach that funeral and all these people were in that that, that just I mean hundreds of people shoved in there and I remember walking up there and God just showed up Amen. and the Holy Spirit came in and I got this peace I can't explain but I had to get there to where the Lord was ready to use me Amen. I mean the Lord's like uh, just go ahead I'll be there 
But Lord, I don't, I don't feel, I don't even know for sure what I'm going to say. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, and I'm just, I mean, I'm just going crazy, you know. And I'm getting up there, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, "Okay, I'm ready. Here we go. <laughs> You're, I'm just using you, dummy. I'm just using you. You just get, a, you get your body up there, and I'll, I'll, I'll say what I want to say. But you got to get up there. And sometimes that's what's going to happen in your life. He's going to give you a calling, and all the way to that calling, you're like, I'm doing something stupid. I'm really doing something stupid. I've really done something stupid. And then when you get right there, you'll feel that Holy Spirit and the hair on the back of your neck will stand up. And you're like, whoa. And I'm going to tell you something else, guys. When you get done with that, you're going to have the greatest joy you ever knew. The, the joy, the peace, and the gifts that God's going to give you. I'm going to tell you a gift that God gave me one time. Had this young 13-year-old girl come down and receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And I got down, was praying with her. And she got up, and I'll never forget it. If I live to be 100 years old, I'll never forget it. I got up off of here. We got off our knees, and she turned to me, and she said, Brother King, and she said, it just feels so good. It just feels so good. Man, I tell you what, just all this came back to me when I got saved when I was 17. And I was like, this is what it's all about. I want to make people feel good. This world is rotten. There ain't a lot to feel good in this world, and I, I've lived it. I've done it all. I mean, I'm a sinner. And I get to look at it, and I see this young girl get up, and she looks at me with that bright glow and says, it just feels so good. That's, those are the gifts that God will give you. Amen. And I can talk to you about them, and I can get emotional about them, but you don't know until you've experienced it, man. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing, and that's why he's... That's what Gideon's about to get a part of. And look what the last calling, the last reason for Gideon's calling is found in verse 24. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Oprah of the Abizarites. Now that Jehovah Shalom, that means Jehovah send peace or the Lord send peace. The Lord send peace. But while, the last reason why, and I'm going to give you the last calling on Gideon and why God called him was simply this. God called Gideon because he knew that he would build something that would last. See that at the end of verse 24? Then Gideon built, and at the end of verse 24, unto this day it is yet in Oprah. Amen. See, God knew that when he called Gideon, he's going to build something that was going to last. If the Lord has called you for some purpose, whatever it might be, it's going to last. It's going to last. Don't you want to do something that's going to last that your grandkids could be proud of, that your kids could be proud of, that your family could be proud of, that other brothers and sisters in Christ could look at you and be proud of? Don't you want to do something that's going to last? Well, the only thing you can do in this world that can last is doing something for Jesus Christ. Who won the Super Bowl 10 years ago? I don't know. I thought that was a big deal. I thought the whole world watches that. Give it 10 years. Give it 20 years. People forget that stuff. It's the next year's champions. It's just, you know what? Guys, for Jesus Christ, it will last. And we're not talking about lasting to this world. Go. It'll last for eternity. Amen. That's what we're talking about. I'm going to finish by saying this in closing. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen. Dear Heavenly Lord, thank you so much, Father. Lord, thank you for your calling, Lord God, that you've chosen us wicked, sinful men and women, Lord God, to do things for you. Lord, I don't understand it, Father, and Lord, I, I see some of the men that you've called into the ministry, some of them, Father, and I think, what, what's going on here? 
And then I see them work, Lord, for you, and I can see you working in them. What an amazing story, Lord. You get all the honor and glory. And Father, I just pray if there's somebody out there underneath the sound of my voice that's got a calling on them, Lord. Maybe it's a calling for salvation. Maybe you're calling them, Lord God. And want them to come get saved, Lord God. I pray they'll come on down the aisle, Lord God, and get saved. But Father, if there's another calling you've been giving some of these men and women out here, Lord God, that something specific, Lord, you know, they know. Lord, I just pray you speak to the heart, Lord God, and reassure them. Lord, give them that sign maybe they need, Lord God, like Gideon needed. But Father, Lord, I just want to thank you, Father, for salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, even when we fail you, Lord God, you've always got a plan B. And when we mess that up, Lord, you give us a plan C. And I thank you, Lord, that you don't give up on us, Lord, and you're kind to the just and the unjust. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. 
And in verse 13, he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.